Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. Months and months have passed, and we have an actual game to talk about. That's right. That's right. The Sun Devils in the open the Herm Edwards era under the new leadership model with a 49-7 victory over UTSA. 42 to nothing through three when the starters mostly exited. Yeah. There was mostly good. Some there was. some room for improvement, but mostly good. Hard to, you know, hard to find too much fault, as you said, in a game that for three quarters you you're up forty two nothing. Um, you know, I mean there's always like any coach, um, you know, I'm not gonna be Nick Saban here and get get, you know, nasty and snippy and act like the world is just crumbling to the ground because, you know, we made a mental error. Um, you know, I'm I'm realistic about it. You're never gonna be perfect and pretty good first game. Yeah, I I'm pretty satisfied with what I saw. A lot more to come, obviously, to determine what we'll think of this season, but game one, I put a big check mark next to. Unlike New Mexico State last year, when ASU got a little stagnant, um, the defense didn't falter and right. they wound up writing the ship. So ASU opened the scoring on a Nikhil Harry doing all of the work himself touchdown reception. <laughs> it was pretty impressive, yeah. And, Much like his second one, which was even more crazy. And, and then uh, the first pass play of the game, first Division One pass play of Cordell Grundy's career, yeah. gets intercepted by Shannon Foreman dropping into a zone from his uh, defensive line position, and he runs it back for a pick six. Yeah. And that was all we needed, though we got a lot more. Pretty much. And it was good, yeah. I mean, so two minutes into the game, we had scored two touchdowns. Can't ask for a much better start than that. And then, you know, that pace obviously is never going to keep up. I'm not expecting to score 60 touchdowns. But certainly the next, um, you know, 20 minutes or so of game action were not great. Um, You know, defensively still pretty good. Obviously, we didn't allow any points. So hard to complain too much. Offensively, bogged down a couple times. uh, You know, had a couple drives that got inside the 50. Couldn't couldn't get him, you know, advanced far enough to even kick a field goal. Um, but, you know, got a couple touchdowns there at the end of the half, you know, went forward on a fourth down, which I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of those. Um, but that worked, and then we scored a play later, and then we got the ball late in the half um, and scored again, you know, with, with I think around 30 seconds to go. Um, comfortable lead, you know, got a touchdown on the second drive of the, of the third quarter, and, and from there it was pretty much, you know, game over, just kind of go through the – motions of a fourth quarter which is what you want and an opener against a team that you should be uh you want to be able to have we talked about it this week you want to be able to have that fourth quarter get some guys in that may not play a lot this year but some might and we were able to do that when things got stagnant there middle of the first to middle of the second sleep dalton came in and really kept the field position flipped in our favor you know something not to be overlooked Especially in the face of a number of spe- of special of special team special teams, seven total penalties committed in the game, the most since uh, the Erickson era, I believe. And and I think of those eleven total, I, I want to say at least five or six were special teams, and and three or four were just you know false starts on punts, um, delay, of delay game. a game on a punt, uh, a delay a game to start the game um, on offense. So those are things that can easily be cleaned up. There, there wasn't a ton of, um, you know, I mean, penalties are penalties, don't get me wrong, but they're more concerning when they're, you know, 
holding calls, targeting which means your offensive line isn't good, targeting which we had one, which was um, which was it, a close play. It, it was borderline. It was um, you know the late hits, the things that were the hallmark of the Erickson era with the personal fouls, the fifteen yarders. Can you you know do you like to have false starts on a punt? Certainly not, but they're not going to break your back generally. And a couple of them actually gave us more room to punt. I mean, we had one in the, in the third quarter as well, same thing um, as the first quarter. So, you know, you don't love it, but it's not that concerning to me. I'd be more concerned if they were, you know, eight personal fouls, um, which they weren't. You know, I think we only had two personal foul penalties. One was that targeting, which is, yeah, you know, that's a tough call. I mean, can quibble with that all you want. It's, it's a hard call to make either way. One thing that I think um, will need to be cleaned up moving forward is the punt return game. Uh, yeah. You know, Brandon Ayuk was back deep with Isaiah Floyd on a play, and they didn't know who was going to actually make the catch yeah. when it was kicked between them, or at least it appeared that way. Right. <laughs> uh, they, they did not. Uh, maybe one of them was supposed to know, but they definitely did not because they both went for the catch. And, and there were a couple of times where it looked like I wanted to field a ball after it bounced. Uh, right. That right. is nothing but problems if you do that. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, the, the big special teams question mark besides what happened on the uh, penalty front is the decision not to let Brandon Reese uh, try the extra mm-hmm. long field goals or even long 40 yard, you know, between 40 right. and 49. The the one in the second quarter, I think, would have been somewhere in the 40s. It wouldn't have been out of his range by any means, I don't think. So, you know, one of the things that James Laurinaitis brought up at great length during the game yes, he did. is Herm <laughs> saying he wants to be aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Right. The decision to punt on, on borderline field goal uh, calls didn't strike me as super aggressive. No, no. I mean, uh, you know, I... I didn't have, I mean, look, it's always easy to look at the outcome and say, well, I didn't have a problem with it, and, and I didn't. I mean, we won big, and those things are more upsetting if you don't get the fourth down and then you end up having to work hard for a win or you don't win a game. You know, you lose a game by three points, and you think, boy, you, you passed up three points. Time will tell. Those those opportunities will very likely occur in, in tougher games. And we'll see, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to be aggressive and say, I'm going to go for it on fourth down and, and three from the 25. When I've got a 14 nothing lead, my defense appears to be in cruise control where, you know, we're stopping them whenever we need to. You can be a little more, and, and we feel like we can score later if we need to. You know, next week, the weeks after, we'll see how aggressive he is. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate it necessarily. It didn't bother me. But it's certainly something to you know keep an eye on as we go into tougher games. Let's talk about that defense. Danny Gonzalez's team, uh, 15 tackles for a loss, nine yeah. sacks. For as impressive Three as turnovers. Sh- I was going to say, for as impressive as the turnovers were, uh, and Shannon Foreman's pick six obviously set a tone early in the first quarter, I, was there a more physically impressive play? to you than Darius Slade's forced fumble where he literally just launched the running back? There was not. No, that you know, was really impressive. He, really, he took, really, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he took Jalen Rhodes yeah. and put Jalen Rhodes into the lap of Cordell Grundy uh, 
probably threw him three feet in the, you know, three feet yeah. backwards. And, you know, the running back's helmet hit the quarterback's elbow. The fumble comes out and Slade's there to pick it up. It was a great overall physical it, play. It was. It definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and just the power that he showed to, you know, and look, it's, it's, you know, it's not like you're going up against a, you know, top notch running back, but nonetheless, a, a, you know, a running back's right there to meet you head to head and you, he just overpowered him. Um, and, and, you know, maybe in part because of the number he wears, as we were joking about during the game, but he looked like a linebacker with his size. I really, you know, being the first game, I don't know all the numbers of the new guys. And I thought that was a linebacker. I mean, when I saw the play and I, you know, we didn't know the name because the announcers weren't real great on giving us names as things happened. Um, I really am thinking, okay, who is that? And then they said Slade, like, uh, could that be right? You know, but it, it was right. Um, He's got a unique build for a defensive lineman. Very strong. Very ripped, you can tell. Yes. Um, yeah. The The other thing that I think was nice, and the box score bears this out, a lot of guys around the ball, a lot of guys with one or two tackles because they made the play. Yeah. Karan Crump even getting involved with a tackle. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. Which nice I mean, to see. The, the thing I loved, and, and, you know, you hear about this in, in practice all the time, hearing about stuff like this is like hearing, you know, the basketball team's going to go up-tempo. But they really did put it into practice of the pursuit to the ball. Um, I mean, it, it was it was fast, and it was, I mean, again, uh, everything comes with the caveat that we will face better teams that have speed that can match us. But we looked fast, we looked quick, we looked aggressive, um, I was, I was quite pleased with what I saw and did not know if I would be, you know, I, I mean, I think we both knew that this defense could be really shaky to start. We both were prepared for that. And it, it definitely was not in this game, at least there's, there's more to come. Um, but impressed with one game. Very assignment. Sure. It felt like, yes. uh, one play that stands out in the first half because, you know, when the game was still theoretically in doubt was a bootleg where Kyle Soeli um, just flattened out and then pressured Grundy as opposed to taking a bad angle and getting, you know, looped around. And and there were a number of times where it felt like guys were in the right position to make a play. And most of the time they did. There will be times I'm sure where tackles get missed or, you know, coverages get blown. But for the most part, it felt like everybody was where they were supposed to be. And when the opportunity came, they either made the tackle or held the guy up long enough for others to make the tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was pleased with what I saw. Um, you know, uh, I thought, you know, as you said, the sacks were were a highlight, the turnovers, the tackles for loss, all of those things. But, um, you know, not giving up yards and bunches, being able to get stops on third downs, it seemed like for the most part, unless it was, you know, seemed like if it, unless it was a third and one or third and two, that we were in the driver's seat on defense. Um, you know, there was one early. I know we gave up a third and long, but not many. Now, you know, obviously, um, we're going to face better passing games. You know, just just with that, that you know, neither one of their quarterbacks that played was a great passer. Um, but it, you know, it was encouraging to see what we did, not letting guys run free, wide open. Um, you know, yeah, I just was very pleased overall with, with the defense. And, you know, hey, how can you complain when you when you pitch a shutout through, you know, three and a half quarters, basically? It's not too bad. The combined passing for UTSA, 19 of 43 for 218 yards and a pick. 
not not bad. Yeah, I mean, you can you can live with that, obviously. Now, I mean, you know, starting this week, we got a pretty good quarterback in, in Lewerke again for Michigan State. And then, obviously, once we get into the Pac-12, you know, we know the passing offenses. Most of them are pretty good, but some pretty good quarterbacks that we're going to face. Um, but, you know, we, we will likely give up more. Um, again, you know, I joked with you last night, like, you know, this defense is, you know, going to make you forget the 85 Bears. It's not. But if it can be, and I think Laura Knight has said this last night, it was one of the things I think we've talked about. If it can be passable, we can be a pretty good team. And and he pointed it out, I think. You know, the, the last time we won 10 games, we were 81st nationally in defense. We weren't great. And, you know, it's been a long, long time since we've had a dominant defense. Um, really, the, like 09 and 10, we were really good defensively, but our offenses were horrendous. We know this offense is pretty good, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, if the defense can just be a C-level kind of defense – uh, we can win, you know, seven, eight-plus games. I really believe that with the offense we've got. In the secondary, the leading tacklers uh, for the team were the two corners, Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas. And I've thought that both of them looked very strong. Now, Lucas had one of those personal foul penalties, and it, right. and it came after what looked like a warning from the official about mm-hmm. you know what he was doing and what he was saying in the continuation mm-hmm. of plays, but... Solid, just very yeah. solid. He also very, had a very, sack. Yeah, he should have, and he could have had an interception. There was a there was a ball thrown to him, I believe, in the third quarter. Uh, that would have been a tough play, but you know, was a makeable play for him. Um, but yeah, you know, had a sack, looked looked good. Uh, you know, uh, I hate to keep saying it, I feel like I'm repeating the same point. But you know, we will see how he does against better competition and better passing games. Um, how the whole secondary does. That's probably the, one of the. If, if you want to say the biggest question mark about this season, it's that group. Um, they'll be tested more than they were last night. But it was a good start, you know, as with many times in these openers. You hope to come out of it without too many red flags. And, and I think that's what we did. Um, and, you know, I said this before. This, was, this is an FBS team that had a winning record last year. Um, there are top 25 teams that struggled with teams like that Michigan State being one had to you know had to win at the very end Penn State had to go to overtime so you know to handle our business the way we did uh, I'm pretty happy I I got very little to complain about just to round out the secondary and what they did uh Dasmond Tadalatasi three tackles Ashari Crosswell in his first game with three tackles Harvey had two tackles and and just part of a quarter before getting ejected yeah Um, yeah and really, to me, what's most impressive about that is by playing a base that is effectively a nickel base with the three safeties on the field, you get the the best of all worlds as far as – Tadalatasi is not a great cover guy. We learned that last year. Maybe right. he's improved. Right. Maybe he hasn't. But he is a sure tackler. And when you have him on the field with guys who are decent tacklers but ball hawks, it's right. what helps set up for – you know the turnovers that plus swimming yeah. to the ball, and that's what you saw in the you know in the game this you know, yeah. this week. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it was it was very solid. I, like I said, I got I got very little to complain about defensively. Can't really, I mean, you know, after one game, can't really think of anything that that uh, jumped off. Like, well, you know, this is going to be an issue. Last year, for example, when the New Mexico State game you know, wasn't a great team and we ended up winning, but it was that run defense. We were giving up big holes in the running game from the start. I remember we both noticed that. 
and also, of course, the, you know, not substituting, which we had no anticipation of, but it became the you know calling card for us the first half of the year. Um, I don't leave with any real concerns defensively after one game, which is a nice thing to have. Now, do I still have concerns just in general? Yes, but there wasn't anything I saw in that game that exacerbated any of those concerns. On the offensive side of the ball, Manny Wilkins, 16 of 24 for 237 and four touchdowns. He also rushed six times for 28 yards and had a hurdle. Um, right, he did. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he got out of bounds, a, a point you yeah. remarked on as the game was unfolding. He got out of bounds when, when he needed to to protect himself, and that is an improvement and a level yeah. of maturity, especially necessary with, I was going to say, with the backup quarterback situation as it is. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, he's, he's going to be uh, very valuable. He may not be the best player on our team. I think Nikhil Harry probably takes that spot. Um, but as far as most valuable, I would say he is probably it. Uh, maybe you could argue Harry, I, you know, I guess they're kind of hand in hand with what they do, but um, just with what's behind him and not really feeling like we're very confident in anybody behind him right now. Maybe next year that'll feel different, but right now we need him to be out there and healthy as much as possible. Um, and, you know, yeah, he started every game last year, but we've come to find out that he had some injuries, and, and that's going to happen. But if the, the less hits he can take, the better. Because, you know, we, what we don't need is for him to be, um, you know, physically at 60% in the second half of the year. That's not going to be a, a good thing for what we've got going on. Of the 16 completions, six went to Harry, Darby and Eno Benjamin each had two, and then six players had one catch apiece. Yeah. Um, I don't know that you will have another game on the schedule before Oregon State where it is so clear that Nikhil Harry is head and shoulders above anyone in the secondary the yeah. way it was in that Probably game. Probably not. Probably not, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, but uh... – but yeah, I mean, right from the jump, he has a catch on the very first play, um, which erased that delay a game penalty we got coming out of the box. Um, and then, you know, what was it, the fourth or fifth play of the series, he, you know, catches what what really should have been a no gain and fourth down and we're punting and turns it into a touchdown. Um, and then his touchdown in the third quarter is one that you could get away with against UTSA, probably not against most teams, you know, running backwards, circling around. But it shows you the, the immense talent that he's got you know, we're, we're lucky to have him and we need to take advantage. This is one of the things we talked about, you know, as we were previewing the season, you know, and, and everybody talked about, well, if they could just scratch out six wins, well, you know, you feel like, boy, you got a experienced quarterback and an all American receiver. You want to hopefully scratch out more than six wins. Um, and, and because they're not going to be there next year. So we, we need to do our best to take advantage of what he can do. And if the defense can give, you know, two thirds of what they gave last night. You yeah. would think that's enough. Harry ended the day six catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the next highest yardage total was Frank Darby with 23. Um, you know, everybody got involved a little. Kyle Williams had one catch for 21 yards. He bobbled the ball. He was open, and Manny <laughs> hit him. Uh, that could have been a much bigger consideration play. Consideration to dropping the ball, yeah. But he he made the play and at least you know caught it. But yeah, he if he caught it clean, he could have turned it up and maybe scored. Eno Benjamin two catches for 15 yards and a touchdown. Chapman had the other touchdown receiving. Yeah. His first career, right? I would have yeah. said. I, uh, I mean, he played some last year, but I don't think he had a touchdown. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, the, the 
the Darby catch um, on fourth down was a big one, and we texted about it during the game. And um, you know, the, the you know just knowing where he was on the field, a little bit lucky, I'm sure. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, he puts his foot down right there and bounds. Uh, there's some luck involved in that, but some sense of the field as well. And he's a guy who always seems to come through. Um, you know, I like him. I like him being out there. I feel like when he's out there, he makes plays. Um, and, and a really and, good know, ball, a really good ball from Manny. A really good ball, yeah, yeah. Now, I did not, as I said to you in the moment, I did not love the play call. I didn't mind going for it, but I, I really do not like throwing a, you know, a, what is what it basically amounts to a, you know, a jump ball type of throw, a fade on fourth and short. I think you can get a higher percentage throw, but he put it right where it needed to be, and Darby made a great catch, and we scored a play later, and so. You know, it's low percentage. I think, you know, more often than not, that doesn't work. This time it did, and that's all that matters in this case. Yeah, and that was a result over process. Uh, it was. It was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was one that as he's throwing it, I'm cringing and, you know, like gritting my teeth. Like, oh, no, we're really going to do this on fourth and short? And then he makes the catch. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it. It's like, you know, a three-point shooter, you know, launching a 30-footer. You're like, no, 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 yes, good, good shot. Yeah, well, well done. On the ground attack side, Eno Benjamin led the way, 16 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. He looked good. He did look really good. He, he looked uh, fast, and um, and there were big holes for him, too, and, and the same for Isaiah Floyd. Um, you know, both of them looked good, and both of them had plenty of space to run. And if that can continue, that's really exciting. Uh, you know, now, again, it will get tougher. Michigan State's a better defense. Uh, although they showed some vulnerability against some of the same type of schemes that we run, some of the spread, hurry up, you know, uh, running out of the shotgun, you know, some of the things Utah State did are things that, that it looks like our offense is built to do as well. But they will be tougher and there won't be giant gaps. But, um, yeah, I was, I was pleased at not only how they looked, but how the guys around them looked to give them the space to look so good. The offensive line, like you said, opened huge holes, did not allow a sack in the game. Uh, a couple times, the new guy, Casey Tucker, looked amazing, yeah. just mauling the defensive end or the blitzing linebacker. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, on one of Benjamin's runs, he got a great block on the right side of the line and then basically declined the Nikhil Harry block and, and picked up six more yards. Harry, meanwhile, had gone, skipped the guy in front of Benjamin who made the tackle and leveled a cornerback behind him. So if you get good blocking from your number one receiver, the guy who is going to be the face of the offense and your number one offensive lineman, you got to believe that everyone else is going to take note and finish their blocks and and hold on through plays. Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, it was it was a well organized effort offensively. Uh, again, a little bit of, of sloppiness in that first half, but some of that uh, I think you know when you start out so hot and you're up fourteen nothing right away, um, you know the, the feeling as a fan is okay. You know, let's just pour it on. We should be scoring every time. And and you know, look, the the opponents are on scholarship too. Their coaches get paid too. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't necessarily take away from the fact that maybe UTSA was doing some things to make us not look as good offensively there in the first half. But then we, you know, we got it going and we kept it going and, and we, you know, we put them away um, by midway through the third, which is which is what you want. I mean, I think both of us said that 
uh, you know, when we were previewing the game last weekend, you know, that, hey, if we could if we could have a game where we're up, you know, four or five touchdowns in the halftime of third quarter, we'd be happy. Well, that's exactly what we got. For me, you know, one of the cliches, one of the tropes of football is good blocking receivers help your running game a ton. And Harry is so big that if he consistently blocks the way he did last night, in addition to the two touchdowns and 140 yards receiving, um, there's no reason why he should stay. He he should be a first round. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's so hard to project with receivers. It seems like especially maybe more than any other position. You always and and I guess just in general. And I read someone someone said this this year, and it was a great point. You know, we're at that point of the year where eighty guys are you know surefire first round picks. Well, we know there's only going to be thirty two. So uh, you know whether he'll be a first rounder, I, I don't know. I mean, the NFL looks at things that sometimes the naked eye as fans can't see. Um, but he sure looks the part. I mean, he, he, he can catch anything. He's got speed, as we saw in that first touchdown, to be able to break away. Um, he runs good routes. He blocks. He certainly got size. I mean, there's no question about his size. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, if, if I'm looking at it and, I, you know, not having scouted any other college receivers or even pretended to, I would struggle to say there's anybody who looks, you know, as a better prospect than him right now as a receiver. Got to take advantage of having him and Manny this year. We do. We do. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah, there are only two guys. And, yes, there's there's weaknesses on other, you know, parts of the team that aren't as deep. Certainly on defense, you would think probably not as deep as you hope to be in a couple years. But, yeah, you've got a, you've got a pretty darn good starting quarterback. I don't think he's an All-American or going to win the Heisman or anything, but he's a pretty darn solid quarterback who's been a starter for two years. And you've got an All-American wide receiver who can take over games at any point. You, you hate to let that go and, you know, only win five or six games. Now, would I be would I be upset if we only won six? Eh, I guess not. But um, uh, in some ways I would. Like, you know, I just feel like that would be a waste of having a pretty good group all around on offense, but especially with those two. If we are going to nitpick things, they were 3 of 10 on third downs. They committed yeah. 11 penalties for 95 yards. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that they lost the time of possession battle, but when you have a pick six yeah. and you force three turnovers, that, that's part of the exactly. reason why that happens. Yeah. yeah, not too worried about that. I mean, that we will, we will see how that plays out with this team as they face better teams and play in closer games. Because obviously the fourth quarter, you, you know, the offense is not, playing its guys so you're you're not as sharp offensively as you hope to be in the fourth quarter when the games are on the line so yeah i mean that that is a hard one to assess in a game that was pretty much decided at halftime looking around the rest of the pac-12 um washington hard luck loss against auburn well played well yeah i mean look they played basically a road game and they were they got off to a, a bad start um and you know it looked like auburn was going to run away from them and their defense kept them in the game and then their offense got a touchdown and boy i mean they had chances in that third quarter um they you know they had a a, a missed field goal on the drive they were inside the 20 and then you know a turnover inside the five so two possessions at the you know into the red zone no points uh, ended up costing them, but they they played well, and they're to me they're still the team to beat in the conference. They they uh, 
didn't show me anything to change that. Looking ahead at two teams who we are going to see, Stanford upended San Diego State 31 to 10, yeah. but you know, I know Rashad Penny's gone. Jawan Washington, 24 carries, 158 yards, and a touchdown for San Diego State in that game. He did. Now, now I want to say uh, probably 80-plus of those yards came on one drive in the first quarter. Um, and then they, they did a pretty good job of shutting him down after that. I watched a good deal of that game on Friday night. Um, and they, you know, for a drive, when they went up 7 nothing, it looked like, boy, Stanford's defense has some big-time holes. But then they didn't show those after that for the most part. And K.J. Costello looked great. Boy, uh, I mean, Bryce Love was quiet. They they clearly dedicated to taking him away, which they did, but that's what you got to do. I mean, we, we talked about it in relation to ASU last week. If teams are going to dedicate to taking away Nikhil Harry, your other guys have to step up. Well, in Stanford's case, San Diego State sold out to stop Love, and and Costello threw for, you know, 300 yards and four touchdowns. Not, not bad at all. And, and if he can continue to do that, then, you know, maybe they can beat Washington, challenge Washington in the conference because that was an impressive performance by him. Another impressive quarterback performance, Colorado upends Colorado State 45-13. Stephen Montez, 22 of 25, 338 yards and four touchdowns. Look good. Um, you Look know, good by if, the numbers. If, I didn't. I didn't watch it, but yeah. They, if you're they getting the, them, obviously. If, if you're getting good Colorado Buffaloes, the you know the Pac-12 South. We talked about you know sure. a lot of question marks. You know, you've got a win by Utah after falling behind ten seven and some bad Which turnovers. You know, really yeah. put their put the hammer down to beat Weber State. Colorado yeah. 45-13 over Colorado State. ASU forty nine to seven over UTSA. I, I, yeah, I think those were the two most impressive performances. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be the best teams, but the teams picked five and six, I think, were the most impressive in week one in the South. The other South team that got a win this week, USC upends UNLV 43-21, but it took a wild fourth quarter to make that great. happen. Yeah, they were they were down in the second quarter. reminded me a lot of their opener last year as, as our game in some ways early at least reminded me of ours. You know, they were down early. Um, they couldn't put them away. They couldn't punch it in the end zone. I think their first four scoring drives were all field goals. Um, but they got going, and, you know, Daniels looked pretty good from what I heard. Of course, it's on Pac-12 Network, so I couldn't watch it. But, you know, I could watch, uh, side note, I could watch an ACC Network broadcast of Furman and Clemson on my TV, but I couldn't watch UNLV USC on my, yeah. But that's, thanks, Larry Scott, for that. And you live um, in a Pac-12 state. I do. I live in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, right in the heart of that market. But I got, you know, I could watch probably any ACC game I wanted to, but I can't watch every Pac-12 game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's neither here nor there. I'll move on. Um, but, yeah, they, they apparently didn't didn't look overwhelming, but that's kind of been their pattern under Clay Helton. It's only three years, but um, September's have not been kind to them. They've, they've gotten better over the course of the year, both years with him now the first year you could attribute that somewhat to going to sam darnold um but last year was kind of the same they got off to bumpy start didn't really look great um and and by the end of the year looked better although the bowl game wasn't wasn't a great performance but um it'll be interesting to see you know if they can because they're going to get tested these next two weeks they're at stanford which we talked about and then at texas which obviously did not have a good week but you know nonetheless a road game against a big 12 team that, you know they'll they'll learn a lot about themselves the next couple weeks. The South wound up four and two. The two losses. BYU goes into Arizona Stadium yeah. and beats the Wildcats twenty eight twenty three in Kevin Sumlin's debut. 
Uh, Tanner Mangum is back, 18 of 28 for 209 yards and a touchdown. Squally Canada, yeah. 98 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impressive. Uh, a, a good win for them, I mean, regardless of what you think of Arizona. And you know what I think of Arizona. Um, you know, uh, BYU needed a, needed something to try to bounce back from a really horrendous year last year. We'll see if this is, is really a turnaround or just one win. But, boy, last year they were awful. And uh, they have to feel good about going in and getting a road win against a you know, Pac-12 team. Maybe they can turn things around a little bit. The other Pac-12 South team, Chip Kelly's debut for UCLA, the Bruins, fall to the Cincinnati Bearcats in the Rose Bowl 26-17 gave up nine points in the fourth quarter and that was the difference yeah Wilton Spate was named the starter and then got hurt before halftime um and and you know they put in the true freshman kid Dorian Thompson Robinson who you know I think showed flashes but looked like a true freshman and and one who you know has only been there in the fall he wasn't there in the spring like so many of the top true freshmen that you know he didn't enroll early um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know if Spate, I don't know how bad his injury is, if he's out for a period of time. Um, you know, Thompson Robinson is supposed to be the future, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe the future's now, as they say. Um, but, yeah, not a great uh, opening week for him. Work to do there, uh, you know, to, to, you know, try to get close to what he was at Oregon. Obviously, a lot of work to do. One thing to keep in mind Due to discipline issues, they suspended a right. number of players, including starting running back Soso Jamabo. True, um, true. But obviously disappointing. The Bearcats are no one's idea of a powerhouse. No, and they were bad last year too. Yeah, I mean, those those two losses are, unless Cincinnati and BYU are, are better than we think, and maybe they are, but yeah, those two losses are not great for the Pac-12 because those are not games you'd expect that those teams would have lost at home especially in both cases. In the North, we talked about the top two teams, Washington falling to Auburn, Stanford beating San Diego State. Oregon State scored 31 points. That, that's the uh, yeah, best you can I mean, say about what they did. It was, you know, it was, a, it was a weird, obviously, defensively, they had no answers to giving up, what, 77 ultimately, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they, uh, they looked a little, I mean, you know, Ohio State's supposed to be pretty good defensively. You know, some think maybe one of the best defenses in the country, and, they, they, you know, had 28 of those points in the first half and, and three minutes of the third quarter. I think it was, you know, 56-28 or something like that. Um, they lost their quarterback early, too, much like Spade. You know, first drive even for him, he gets hurt. Um, so they went with their backup for most of the game. And he played okay. But, yeah, it, it's going to be a long year for them. I mean, they showed a little bit of spark, but they have a long way to go. Oregon beat Bowling Green, Justin Herbert, 10 of 21 only, but 281 yeah. yards and five touchdowns in that game. Yeah, yeah, they were down 10 nothing in the first quarter. I, I, you know, didn't see any of it, but I was watching another game and they showed this, you know, they were showing scores in the bottom and, you know, said 10 nothing Bowling Green, like, whoa, what's going on? And the next time I looked, it was, you know, 28 to 10 or something. They obviously figured out what whatever happened early. Uh, but yeah, you know, a good, easy win for them. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how they do going forward they're they're a, they're a dangerous team with herbert and uh, you know obviously what they what they can do offensively is always good they went down from down 10 nothing to a 37 17 lead at the half 
Was it that much? Okay. Yeah, I knew it was before halftime. They were up by, you know, three touchdowns or something like that. Yeah, so uh, it, it turned around fast. Obviously, I didn't I didn't see any of it, so I can't comment too much. But it was it was 10 nothing. I want to say late in the first quarter because it wasn't even, like, so early that I thought, oh, yeah, like, wow, what's going on? And then they obviously figured it out. The rest of the North won Washington State uh, with quarterback Gardner Minshew playing. Yeah, uh, East Carolina transfer. Yeah, he he led them over Wyoming forty-one nineteen. Wound up throwing fifty-seven passes in his first game as a Cougar. It's what they do. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They throw fifty plus times and they throw for three hundred and fifty plus yards, and that's just how it is. And the last one, the Cal Bears at home beat North Carolina. They were up 24 to 3 at the end of the third. Let North Carolina all the way back in 24-17's yeah. the final. Yeah, yeah. They they uh I think played three different quarterbacks from what I saw. Um so they're obviously, you know, working on some different things, trying different things, but a, a good win for them. I mean, they won there last year in in Chapel Hill and then beat them again this year. And so, yeah, good good week for the North outside of Washington. And again, I, I don't think Washington has anything to be ashamed of. I mean, they could have won and and it takes away their margin for error for the rest of the year. They probably have to run the table if they're going to get to the playoff. But they played well, um, and and you know I thought the rest of the North, from what I saw, which was you know basically just Stanford, I guess, really as far as actually watching, looked looked okay. I guess Oregon State lost. I'm forgetting about that. Well, um, but that's the but, thing. the The Oregon State loss to Ohio <sighs> State is not surprising for for the right. sake of the you conference. Kind of that. Yeah. For for how bad the conference has been. In yeah. non-conference settings, the last few years, the the, the disappointing losses, if you are a Pac-12 fan, are Cincinnati right. and BYU going into the Rose Bowl and Arizona Stadium, respectively, 100%. and winning. Yeah, those are the two that are concerning. I, I think if you're looking at the um, you know the perception of the Pac-12, um, and, you know a lot of a lot of focus on Chip Kelly and a lot of focus on Khalil Tate. And neither one, uh, you know, acquitted themselves all that well in week one. Now it's only week one. Um, you know, things can change. Obviously, we've seen it a lot, you know, but um, not a great start in that regard with, with some eyeballs on those two and neither one, you know, getting off to a very good start. And then Washington played okay, but ultimately lost. And that's how you're going to be judged. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no half victory just because you hung in and played well. ASU hosts the currently number 11 ranked Michigan State Spartans who beat they will probably Utah fall State. Some. Uh, my, my guess is they remain in the top 20, but that yeah. is it. I, yeah. I think you'll see them drop. I think you'll see Penn State drop. I think yeah. you will see my Wisconsin you'll pick looking drop, a lot obviously. better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, after one week, you would certainly say Wisconsin and Ohio State, you know, you know, if you want to do this, you know, just book them in the Big Ten title. I'm not ready to do that yet because it is just one week. But Ohio State certainly looked the best of the Big Ten East teams that we talked about, and it wasn't close. I mean, Michigan lost, and the other two had to work really hard to beat, you know, uh, lower-level FBS teams at home. Matt, before I let you go, you are – Tomorrow, going to see the program that Bobby Bowden built. That's right. That's right. What are your expectations? What are you excited about getting to see? Oh, I mean, I'm excited about getting to see everything. And you know, as a as a longtime Florida State fan, I've never seen them play at all, uh, much less here in Tallahassee, where I am. And um, so I'm, I'm 
excited just to see the stadium and excited to see the, you know, the sod cemetery and, and, uh, you know, the Tomahawk chop and chief Osceola and all the, all of that. But, but, you know, excited to see them play. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of buzz about this program, a feeling here that, um, things are kind of getting back to, it's cliche, but they're getting back to being Florida state that Jimbo Fisher kind of, you know, ran an SEC program and they, they, you know, got away from some things that are Florida state, um, and was checked out. And I think that's fair. I think he was checked out the last year or so. Um, so there's a lot of buzz here and, and around the program and, and a lot of talent that Jimbo Fisher left. So maybe they could be a surprise. I don't think they could get past Clemson. Um, but I'm anxious to see him tomorrow night, you know, see, see how they look against another pretty good team. Virginia Tech is also a top 20 team, so it'll be a good test. We'll be back middle of the week to preview ASU Michigan State. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben.